We'll start with nurses and the, uh, should we call it the creaking health service, been leading the news? Yes, a sudden burst of publicity for a group of uh, anti-vaccination nurses or nurses that refused to be vaccinated. They're called Nurses for Freedom and they claim to be 700 strong and uh, in recent news stories about them they say look we're ready to help out the DHBs because of course there's big uh, shortages in the hospitals and elsewhere um, but of course they are unjabbed and according to the vaccine mandate which requires it of frontline health workers they can't be employed indeed their own nurses associations is no Uh, They don't want them back. So they first appeared in the news. They had a demo or a series of demos in 12 locations on June the 28th. Then there was a bunch of stories in regional papers came out about them. For example, just one, the headline, Ready, Willing and Able to Work. It was in the Gisborne Herald. And yesterday, one that raised a few eyebrows uh, ran on the Stuff Network, uh, Plea by Unvaccinated Nurses to Return to Work. They say they want to help a health system in crisis, but the government continues to deny them. Um, But, you know, less prominent than those stories, uh, which has worried a few people, is, you know, the reasons why that vaccine mandate exists and why it's not a good idea to have unvaccinated healthcare workers at the front line. And just this evening, uh, further publicity for the group, the Project on 3, featured an interview with the leader, Deborah Cunliffe, uh, the leader of Nurses for Freedom. They also had... The Nurses Association uh, leader, David Willis, saying, look, these people, quite frankly, these nurses hold views inconsistent with their professional obligations and basically said, uh, you know, they are not wanted back in the health service. But the project did its own poll. It didn't say how many people responded, uh, but uh, found that uh, 57% of the people polled said, yeah, that probably is time to let unvaccinated nurses uh, back into the workforce. And this morning, Christopher Luxon, he he backed the calls to have them back in the workforce. And, and of course, nurses are needed. So at first glance, a newsworthy story. Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, it it is newsworthy, I guess, I mean, in the way that the occupation of Parliament was something that couldn't be ignored. The fact that nurses are out there demonstrating and there are people who apparently hold the qualifications could be of use but aren't, something with the media zeroing in on, certainly. But there's important context missing from this and the anti-misinformation group FACT, that's um, uh, Fight uh, Conspiracy Theories Aotearoa, uh, Fight Against Conspiracy Theories in Aotearoa, they are urging the media uh, and have, have been writing to them to make it clear that this is a subset of the group Voices for Freedom, um, who were probably fairly familiar by now. They were the most organised, the best funded anti-vax group in New Zealand. Uh, they were key players in that occupation at Parliament. And uh, they have regularly spread uh, disinformation, anti-vax prop, uh, propaganda, also hiving off into other areas about the United Nations and state control, things like that. Um, Indeed, their leader of Nurses for Freedom was asked on the project tonight, this is Deborah Cunliffe, uh, are the two groups connected? So good job they asked them out front. And she said, oh, no, no, they're they're entirely separate groups. But then she went on to say, we are supported uh, by Voices for Freedom. And uh, she said there are connections. And she herself is the Wairarapa uh, convener for uh, voices for Freedom. So, you know, there are clear linkages between these groups, and I've had their, been reading their newsletters ever since I became aware of them when they were getting a bit of a media presence, uh, Voices for Freedom. And for a while they were urging frontline workers and, and port workers and so on not, not to get the vaccine, 
and the the ones that were covered under mandates, they were urged to resist. And there was a link on their newsletter say, go here to this website, join our professional register. So they were compiling names of people, or at least collecting them, uh, under different professions. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if that was a source of at least some of the members for this um, this outfit, uh, Nurses for Freedom, and certainly, you know, Voices for Freedom. As I said, you know, there's there's no question they've put out um, certain flat out um, misinformation and said that the vaccine is not safe and that people uh, shouldn't be getting it. They've even said in their same newsletter where they urge people to uh, register uh, under professional groups that um, the jab doesn't stop you getting COVID or doesn't stop you transmitting it isn't effective and you know these are things that you know you, you certainly hope nurses on the front line are beliefs they, they wouldn't hold if they were in the job is it possible that this nff does represent 700 nurses well i don't know De- deborah cunliffe on the project tonight said we have 730 members and she said 75 percent uh, registered nurses. That seems incredibly high. David Willis of the uh, Nurses Association, he described them as a small minority. I think he said minuscule and, and certainly not significant. Christopher Luxon this morning had another number. I think he said either four and possibly even at another point, 500 uh, on the what I heard on RNZ National. But it seems like when you consider how few police airport workers, airline staff and so on, in the end, refuse to have the jab, uh, according to media reports in any case. You know, it it seems unlikely to me that there could be that many nurses with uh, the qualification, actual registered nurses. And uh, Deborah Cunliffe, by the way, is no longer a a registered nurse, even though some media have reported that she is. So, I I mean, I, I, I think just instinctively it's unlikely. And this is what's worrying uh, people who see this as a bit of a campaign. In a sense, you read some of the media stories, you would think, well, here are nurses that have a conviction for whatever reason, don't think the vaccine is safe or good, and now they want to work and are being denied by government. But uh, without that sort of corresponding background of the fact that they appear to be part of a campaign that goes much broader than just um, you know choice for people working in the health service, and indeed the fact that there are very good reasons uh, to ensure that health workers, you know, dealing with a whole range of people in uh, stretched hospitals at the moment are vaccinated. You know, I think it's uh, it's definitely a worry. And whether they hold or actually reflect a wider um, opinion among nurses, whether they're vaxxed or not, could be interesting. And in fact, I happen to hear um, on News Talk ZB on Monday, this is uh, Karen, who described herself just as a health worker and said she was sick of wearing a mask all day at work. And it was interesting, the ZB host, James Daniels, then sort of pressed her on uh, exactly what her health credentials were. New Zealand needs to start looking at how do we live with COVID and move on from COVID. Hey, Karen, because- Karen, you said that you're a nurse. Whereabouts are you a uh, you're a nurse? Uh, I am a nurse in Auckland. Right, what? Prefer what? not to say. Is that why you what specialty? Yeah. yeah. What specialty? Intensive care. Oh, okay. Hmm. So I mean, interesting <laughs> pauses there. She clearly didn't want to say that. And to be clear, she wasn't an anti-vaxxer, and she wasn't opposed to wearing of masks in the hospital. But she was clearly saying, "Look, she's over it. Doesn't think it's necessary in other parts um, of of life." And um, you know, so interesting if someone who's right at the cutting edge or at the the sharp end, really, of of healthcare um, is at this stage of the pandemic, you know, prepared to ring a radio station and say that. Um, and yeah, when pressed, she works in it intensive care unit, so it's a bit of a worry. Well, that's what she said. Mm-hmm.
something else that gets people going these days is public funding of journalism columns, but more's been announced this week. Yep, from a couple of sources, although in the end the funding all comes from the same source, which is taxpayers, uh, but via New Zealand On Air. So the first uh, is just from New Zealand On Air's general kind of contestable funding for programming. Uh, another $10 million in funding for uh, factual programs. Uh, they say the theme is bringing social issues into the spotlight. Uh, so examples of that, they say, well, a, a new series that's, I think, going to run on the Herald's website about uh, extreme anxiety in the face of COVID-19. Um, another series uh, that's going to be on TV1, uh, TVNZ1, um, the uh, investigating the realities of living with dementia, kind of reality show where uh, a bunch of people try to run a restaurant whilst um, suffering from dementia. And then there's a podcast series, they say, uh, aiming to provoke honest conversations about the societal pressures of sex. And um, that one's for stuff. And it's being made by Melody Thomas, who you remember uh, made the Bang podcast about sex and sexual issues for RNZ, which I think was um, pretty much all of it, all of the different series were broadcast during nights. Okay, so trainees. The, the, the second part of the funding is from this public interest journalism fund. So it's a separate source of public money for journalism. This is the controversial one, which... Um, you know, political opponents have painted as a kind of bribe to the media. But this one is a bit different. It doesn't just go on pro, um, actual media content or programs. This fund covers that as well as jobs and training and sort of wider media projects. Um, so this this one's going to, one of the big winners is actually Allied Press, the publishers of the ODT, because uh, they're getting well over a million dollars for their local news product, The South Today, and for a cadetship scheme. And then part of this also is a second uh, training scheme. This is going to train high schoolers, and it's called um, Tana Tu Tuakana, and it involves 15 schools, uh, Whakata Māori, Māori Television, and the Pacific Media Network. And this one goes all the way into um, high schools to try and introduce tamariki and rangatahi to journalism as a viable career. Playing the long game, obviously. I love the idea of a cadetship. Uh, was on one myself, and two years training. You know, you really do get a good start uh, when you're involved in one of those schemes. Yeah, well, there's already been one called the Tedito scheme, which is up and running, which should be running right now. I think there's, I think, ten cadets, uh, some of whom will have uh, fluency in Tereo, but also um, Te Ao Māori skills and experience. So that they're older um, cadets, but they will be hopefully coming out into the journalism stream uh, before too long with that one. But this prog- uh, project going back into high schools, yeah, that's uh, definitely playing playing a longer game. So it's interesting because, you know, they've in- identified a historic deficit, particularly in Māori and, um, and ethnic journalists that we just don't have enough of at the, at the trainee at the entry level. So that's what they're trying to address. I just want to quickly uh, move on. There's lots more to talk about there. Uh, but this Road Rage reality show, um, we won't be seeing this, will be on our screens. Cyclists, Scourge of the Streets. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. This was a program I was not aware of. Uh, but then I bumped into it passing through some cycling forum and uh, a bloke by the name of Brian Crump. Uh, appeared to have spotted this program and posted the trailer. <laughs> uh, which a bloke you know. Yeah, I think so. I think we've heard of him. Yeah, no, it's it's our Brian Crump indeed had spotted this and posted it to a, a, a cycling forum. And uh, the trailer for it um, was a little bit alarming. It, it It's from, um, it's, it's running on Sky's Channel 5. So I guess it's not one of the biggest and most watched channel uh, on Sky. But coincidentally, it comes from the British uh, free-to-air TV channel, 
Channel 5, which is uh, its position in the market is not actually the, the highbrow end. I and mean, a lot of its factual program isn't the um, the deep and earnest documentaries. And in fact, uh, for this one, uh, Cyclist Scourge of the Streets, question mark, uh, the beginning of the trailer kind of gives you the idea. Britain has gone bike mad. Oh dear. Houston, we have a problem. But the backlash is real. They're like a plague of lotuses coming down the road. They're like herds of them. Many motorists see cyclists as scum of the road. Generally, people just hate cyclists. Speeding through crossings, riding where they shouldn't. Look at this one, look. He's on the central reservation. And generally hogging the roads. Right the way across the road, the whole way across the road. <laughs> oh, wow. What an idea for a TV show. Yeah, they're like a plague of lotuses, Karen, coming down the road. Lotuses. Look at them. Lo- a plague of lotuses <laughs> is something I would actually like to see on, on television. It, it's, uh, well, could I say that's pretty standard, but sensationalised TV. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It, 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 you know, there's plenty of these sorts of programmes around, aren't there, with um, you know, the found footage and the, the dash cam stuff and uh, helmet cam footage and all of that. Um, but the problem is, I guess, that as, as we know, even in this country, um, driver's hostility to cyclists is real. And if you're a cyclist, you, know, you do definitely encounter it. It is a danger. And the problem with this programme is it was all predicated on a kind of mining motorists' annoyance with the fact that cyclists cut corners. The cycling advocate here in Wellington, Patrick Morgan, emailed Sky and he said, look, whenever this kind of programme is aired, some road users do take it to heart, possibly drive more aggressively near people on bikes. It's illegal and dangerous stuff that's being portrayed in the programme. Uh, let's not make the programme worse. And um, he let us know that uh, Sky TV replied that same day. Their reply was, thank you for getting in touch, Patrick. The story looks at both the cyclist and the driver's point of view, but we understand your concern. So with your feedback on board, we're going to remove it from our schedule. All the best from Sky. <laughs> That's surprising. You don't often get a response like that. Well, well not that quickly. And I'm, I'm wondering whether... From one person. Well, indeed, indeed. I mean, maybe maybe it, I haven't seen it. I don't have Sky and I couldn't see it now even if I wanted to because they've, they've taken it down. Uh, but it surprised me maybe that they didn't put up um, a little bit more of a fight. Maybe they would have if it was one, on one of their bigger channels and, and more, a more popular show, shall we say. Maybe um, they wanted to get rid of it anyway. It was just a good excuse. Well, no, no, no. But here's the interesting thing. If you, the second part of this trailer actually hints that um, you know, there's, there's, there is a bit of balance in the programme. No, I don't feel safe, but I continue to do it. Oh, come on! In here! If you were realistically endangered several times a journey... You get quite wound up about it as well. Oi! Oi! And the riders are fighting back. Put that down. You're on camera. You're going to the police. So maybe it's not just TV road rage clickbait. Well, I really want to see it now. And of course, you know, we can't. It's off the air. But uh, we did... I'm seeing it in my mind. Yeah, the the, the Guardian uh, newspaper had a reviewer cast their eye across it and they were not... Uh, entirely um, uh, impressed with what they said. They they kind of repeated what I said earlier that they were clearly you know mining their access to um, you know footage of angry drivers and this, this sort of inflammatory behaviour and the the law breaking uh, as drivers would see it of cyclists. Uh, but the reviewer said in the end. I feel slightly grubby about enjoying it. Its attempts to play both sides at once and to be sympathetic to both drivers and cyclists fell flat. There are valid issues about infrastructure and legislation to be discussed. Uh, That's pretty dull, and dull is not what 
Channel 5 does. And uh, I went and had a look on the Channel 5 UK website, the source of this program, and uh, that documentary uh, scourge of the streets was in amongst another one called UK's Parking Hell, people getting frustrated about not being able to find a park in, in the UK, and another one about truck drivers called Trucking Hell. Oh, a whole program on not being able to find a park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Well, the makers of that particular show, the one, the, the Scourge of the Streets, uh, they had to put a bleep machine in it because of all the swearing and... <laughs> You had to do the same with someone else complaining about a TV show, I believe. I was listening to, uh, this is uh, Brodie Kane, the broadcaster, and her own podcast, Girls Un- Uninterrupted, where they you know, they say what they like about a range of things and using the language they like. And she was talking about, uh, this in this case, a TV show that hasn't even aired yet and is upsetting a few people. This is TVNZ making a copy of a US uh, reality show called F-Boy Island. Um, what does that stand for then? Well, F-Boy is a, is a contraction, uh, <laughs> and they've contracted it for the title. Brody Kane and her colleagues on the podcast didn't. TVNZ uh, say they're, they're seeking hot single contestants. This is the blurb for the women. show. Yeah, women, yep. Uh, th- three stunning Kiwi women are searching for the guy of their dreams. This is the premise of the show. But can they tell the difference between the genuine nice guys and the F-Boys who are just there to compete for cold, hard cash? Gee, what more can we say about that? Well, Brody Kane had plenty to say. So uh, this is her reaction on the podcast Girls Un- Uninterrupted, which, uh, yes, uh, necessitated my heavy use of the censorship klaxon. TVNZ, like the straightest up and down network, Boy Island on TV, like, and let's encourage a bunch of dudes to over three chicks on television. I just, it just, oh, I just, oh, I'm, I just I'm couldn't believe it. it. Yeah. <laughs> still going to watch it. Still going to watch it. So what do they have to do, Colin? Oh, the, the, <laughs> they, they dropped on the island. Yeah, there are some nice blokes who want a relationship or something with the, the contestants and, and some others who are just uh, not, not out nice. for that at all. That's as much as I know. It's been a success in the States. Well, I believe this is only going to be on TVNZ's online TVNZ Plus, the on-demand service, so possibly not fit for broadcast uh, on the air. But, you know, interesting, eh, when there's a, a combined public media entity um, – Programming like that will be an interesting counterpoint to um, RNZ National and concert and various other. One person could write in and they might pull it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's see. (laughs) I think it's unlikely. Thank you very much, Colin. We'll talk to you again. Sure. Look forward to it.